Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're coming at you with another episode of the AMP that's going live of all days on Halloween. Yes, and not only that, but we're not sick this episode. We're, I feel like the last yeah. few we've been sick. <laughs> Neither one of us is sick this time. I'm still it's incredible. I would still say I'm in recovery just because allergy drainage does a certain number of works to the back of your throat. Um, but I'm I'm way better than I was in our last recording for sure. Oh yeah, definitely same here. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know that I even really remember that last recording. I was so like day quilled <laughs> up. <laughs> well, we since since this is coming to you on a Halloween, and we know that some people are procrastinators, and some people just aren't motivated because they think costuming or cosplay is difficult, and so we thought that we would give you some last minute ideas where you could go out in public dressed reasonably well enough like a member of Class 1A. So uh, we're going to kick this episode off with a couple of low-cost cosplay ideas for various members of Class 1A. And I found out before recording that Adam did a few more than I did. So I'm going to let him go first, and then we'll, we'll go back and forth until he has to do one or two in a row at the end. Okay, so now, to be fair, when you messaged me about this, you didn't say anything about going out in public. I feel like the message was just more along the lines of like, hey, what if we did some cheap cosplays? And my first thought, I don't know if you've seen this guy or not, but there's some dude out there that does like cheap cosplays, and they're like dirt cheap. You could not go out in public with most of his cosplays, (laughs) and you're not going to be able to at any of mine either. (laughs) Okay, Adam's you might not be able to wear to a party, but mine I think you actually could. You'd have to, you could wear mine to a party. You just have to have a lot of uh, uh, bravery, I suppose. So my first one. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm nervous. You told me one of yours that was pretty not safe for work before the recording that we're gonna, the just going to keep of them under are safe our for hats. Work. <laughs> yes. No, the rest of them are safe for work. Okay. If you want to know the not safe for work one, you got to like PayPal me on the side, folks. Nah, just drop into the Discord. We'll tell you in there. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a special place. We'll, we'll reserve it for those of the Discord who dare ask. And I'm going to make yes. Adam say it. I'm not going to type oh. those words into <laughs> to the internet there are hundreds of hours of me podcasting and saying horrible things out there i'm not afraid to type them out either (laughs) fair enough (laughs) hit us with your first one so my first one's Manetta, uh and it should be fairly simple because all you need is an adult diaper and a swim cap like you know how swimmers have like the uh um, caps that help with the hair and everything Mm -hmm. and like two or three tennis balls yeah it's pretty easy yeah yeah just a big diaper. Uh, if you wanted to go with a cape, you could. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a cape, I don't suppose. You could be battle-worn uh, Manetta, which we wouldn't see often. But you take a couple, like two or three tennis balls, you put them under that swimming cap, you're good to go, man. Is I'm looking this up because I forget. Are his gloves yellow? I think they are. Okay. Yeah, yeah so you could just get some, um, I mean, you could do uh, the the cheap, like, Dawn dishwashing oh, gloves. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, for that. Totally. Are you trying to shove the uh, tennis balls underneath the cap, or are you spray painting them purple and fastening them to the outside? I think you could go either way. If you wanted to be super cheap, you just put them under the cap, but you'd have to get a big cap because those things... Those things tend to run real tight. They do, uh, but that's kind of why I thought it would work a little bit better because you could probably take some sort of a like light heating element of some kind and press down in between each tennis ball, and it would create like the waves. And that material, it wouldn't melt, but it would probably form fit a little bit. Yeah, man. And then outside so, of that, you just need like a yellow throw blanket or a sh- or a yellow sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, so in that fact, one I thought was pretty cool. What you just described remarkably resembles. I'm looking at a picture online of the Mineta cosplay for the live action uh, plays that they've done, or at least one of them. And it's oh, yeah? like exactly what we just described a bit. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty good. You cheated. You looked at this, didn't you? I swear to God, I did not. I didn't look at anything. 
Uh, in fact, I even told Adkins that like if you go online and you start searching for cheap My Hero cosplays, you're going to find yourself in a strange place. So <laughs> be careful. Yes, be always uh, be careful on the internet. That's just yes. good life advice. So my second one was Aizawa. Uh, his is really easy because uh, you pretty much just wear like a black outfit, which most people probably have, you know, black pair of pants or joggers or like a black shirt or something like that. And you just wrap a bunch of uh, toilet paper around your neck. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> <It's> enough. easy. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one of yours. I'm curious. Okay. I, I only did two. I did Ojiro and Jiro. So which one would you like to hear first? Well, I have a Jiro, uh, so I'd be interested in yours. In my Jiro. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so Jiro. My Ojiro was not safe for work. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Jiro, <laughs> I think is super easy. You dress uh, in like 80s punk, um, which you can, you can re you can pull off reasonably well and on a very small budget at like your local Goodwill. Oh you know, yeah. Slap some, uh, some Chuck Taylors on, go get some raggedy jeans, jean jacket or whatever, or ba a band t-shirt of literally any kind. Um, and then all you'd have to do since Apple insists on changing the connectors to every iteration of their phones, surely you've got at least two pairs of uh, Apple headphones that you can't use anymore because they're the uh, eighth inch Wired. jack and they've switched yeah. to the lightning port. Um, so all you gotta do is snip those bad boys off and uh, use a rubber band or something to affix them behind your ears so that the, the eighth inch jacks hang down. You could, you could spray paint them uh, flesh colored if you want. That might be a little... Uh, you know, a little bit extra cost, four or five bucks extra, but then you're done. Jiro's super easy. Oh, yeah. In fact, you pretty much word for word said what I said, because you could go to Goodwill, literally get the whole outfit for probably 15 bucks. But then on top of that, you're likely going to find some kind of earbuds there and you don't need the bud pieces. You could just cut those off. And if you're a female and you have pierced ears, you could probably take just thread some, them through. Yeah, just thread them through and just pop them in your ears, like wear them like a, a, a earring. Yeah. And same thing for if you're male and you don't have pierced ears, you could probably get like those little googly eyes, you know, yeah. and, or like something like that, like double sided tape or something and just use that. Or um, instead of threading them through your ears, if you're a lady, um, you could just kind of uh, you put your regular earring on but then pierce the that's what I'm talking about wire yeah. on the back side and use oh, the no. back right I didn't I didn't mean put the wire through your ear I mean I guess you could, you could but if like you gross. were you know if you had some gauges or something then you could just tie it you won't have to worry about anything else yeah yikes yeah you could uh, but I was thinking maybe a little bit more than that yeah then you could also I mean if you wanted to go a little bit further they make that like uh, spray paint kind of for your hair and you can create yeah. a quick little sound wave stencil and Spray it on and you're done. Jiro is super simple. Super simple. Totally. Uh, so what's your Ojiro? Ojiro, also simple. Um, maybe has a little bit more of a, uh, a cost involved with his. Uh, basically, if you have uh, like a robe or maybe you're into jujitsu and you've got like a white gi, um, anything that looks like a martial arts outfit, you can probably find a cheap one at like, you know, Spirit Halloween or whatever. Or the, Goodwill too, yeah, really. Yeah, you might be able to find something like that. Just, you know, canvas white pants and a, you know, a, a little robe type top. Um, and you basically got the clothes. But then what you do is you buy a, uh, a king sized pillow, one of those long pillows, and you stuff it up the back of your shirt uh, and tie it maybe at your waist, fix it around your waist. And you slap a wig on the very end of that. And you're done. <laughs> That's gross. I love it. <laughs> you could even actually probably cut like uh, holes or something into like the front end and just step into the front of the the thing. So that way you, you kind of slide it on almost like like underwear or something. The oh oh you the tail. Yeah 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 could be. Or if you got really fancy, you could like cut a hole in the pants that you're wearing to make it look uh, a little bit more 
I don't know, on, on brand for him, but also very simple. I mean, like I have almost all of that. So I I would, I think I've got a wig somewhere um, at the church that I could steal for that particular idea. But yeah, low cost. I mean, listen, it's, it's Ojiro. Like there's not, there's not a whole bunch that's complicated about his aesthetics. I mean, we, I think we can all agree about at least that much. It's better if you're playing. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, one of my last ones is Dobby, which at first, when you think of Dobby, you got to admit that that seems a little daunting at first, but it's really not that bad because all you could do is get like a fancy coat of some kind. Uh, you wouldn't even have to go that far if you wanted to just be like Dobby out in the middle of the day. Although I assume and I guess he's kind of one of those folks that probably doesn't change his outfit no matter where he's at. Like mm. he doesn't dress down, but regardless. Just take some like lipstick of some kind, like red lipstick or like one of the uh, you know more maybe flesh colored that is like a little bit lighter of your own tone. Do his you know burnt skin wherever you need to, and then get a row of staples from like Walmart or something, and just close them up. And that stuff should be pretty sticky already. You could just staple yourself, not literally, but have those closed staples around where that fake skin you're doing is. And, and get a cheap wig, you'd be pretty close to Dobby, really. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that could work pretty well. You have to yeah. be kind of tall. I mean, you can't. I guess there could be a short Dobby out there, but I think part of part of his visual is his tall and uh, lankiness. I agree. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but in general, like I think that one would be a little bit simpler than you would think at first. Because like when I first started thinking of, of my hero characters to do like this, I just pulled up a list of characters like on Google Images. Yeah. And I was looking at them and I was trying to figure out like, because most of them have fairly intricate cost or like outfits. So it'd be kind of difficult to replicate a lot of them. Uh, but that one really isn't too bad if you get a little crafty. Well, probably the hardest part of his costume would be like the duster type jacket that he wears. It's like longer in the tail. Yeah, Um, that would be the hardest part because you'd have to get something kind of more stylized. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Then my last one is Mirko. Mirko would actually be fairly easy. Like get an inexpensive leotard and then some bunny ears, which you can find at like literally any Halloween store around this time. You're pretty much good to go. Yeah. And then all you'd need is like if you bought a white leotard, uh, get a gold Sharpie. And you could draw yeah. the little moon on, um, totally. slap. You, no, can even, you can find like uh, fake snowballs already this time of year, and you could just hot glue one to the back of that thing. Yeah, you could probably even like retrofit some Ugg boots somehow to kind of look a little bit more like, you know, rabbit feet of, of some sort. That one would be pretty, pretty easy to pull off. You just get cold. Yeah, stuff, <laughs> stuff a couple pillows down each of your uh, legs so that you have gigantic thighs. <laughs> uh, Bones, I just assume that. Accurate thighs. If you're going as uh, Mirko, you've been bodybuilding for years now, so... Yeah, that's true. Oh, man, and you have to figure out how to do the uh, the eyebrows, because her eyebrows are very distinct to me. Oh, yeah. They, like, yeah. extend past the sides of her head. It's, it's so cool. It's a great visual. It is. You know, I didn't know... Like, I guess I didn't really get the attraction of Mirko other than, like, Hot Bunny Lady before we've seen her in the uh, the show but now that I, we've seen just like her insane perseverance i have a mad respect for mirko yeah her character is amazing yeah way more so than i ever thought like i i, I hate to admit it but i really assume the only reason people were obsessed with her is kind of because of the, like anime girl trope you know what i mean right uh but now that we know more about her it's like oh my god like it, i mean i even kind of saw some of that in uh, vigilantes but like it's really amped up in this season well, and the interesting thing about Vigilantes was she was like in her school outfit. So there wasn't yeah. like, there wasn't as much of her showing 
Um, sure. Versus what we see in My Hero. So, like, our first major exposure, exposure to her didn't have those, like, more... I don't, I don't want to say more sexualized, but it's just more revealing, more... I don't know what the... Maybe it is sexualized. It is just, sexualized. Yeah. yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, I mean... The, the school outfit, you know, didn't give us that, which is, like, appropriate. She was a teenager at the time. Um, sure, yeah. And now she's not. She's allowed to do what she wants, I guess, as long as she doesn't break whatever rule Midnight is responsible for now. So my last one uh, that I had is another one that I think is really easy to do, uh, but it would have to take a little bit of explaining, I think. You would have to go buy one of those cheap... Um, Oh, what are they called? Like the latex bodysuit things that are one single color? Yeah, morph suit. The morph suits. Thank you. So go get a morph suit uh, that would be, you know, maybe like like some kind of a bright color of, of some sort and then just some gloves and you could be Invisible Girl. Okay. Like, you're, are, you, are you going for like a green screen thing? Uh, you could do the green screen. That's kind of where I'm saying the explaining comes in because the idea is like, no one, none of us can literally be invisible, like not without some crazy technology yet anyways, because I have seen some of those uh, like glass looking things right. that refract and make people kind of invisible, but you're not going to get that in a morph suit anytime soon. So you'd have to be like, Oh, well this part of me is supposed to be invisible and just have the shoes and the, you know, gloves. It would be hard to explain, I think, but you could do it. Yeah. Is that your last one? I think so. Yeah. I was trying to rack my brain. If I, you know, me, I didn't write any of these down. I just kind of <laughs> came up with them off the cuff and, and then remembered them. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the last one. If I think of another, I'll interrupt halfway through the show. All right. Well, uh, but that was fun, dude. That, that was, was what a great idea. That Thank was you. just, you know, I miss, uh, we, we kind of got away from segments for a little while. Um, and this one seemed like a fairly easy one to, to pull off. So, um, yeah. and, and it was timely, you know, with all of the, uh, all, you know, with the with the season that we're finding ourselves in, although begrudgingly, I would I would add uh, Christmas stuff is already on the shelves and it drives me nuts. Me Can't too. Stand. It's too much. Like, let me get let me enjoy Halloween. That's all I want in the world. It's just like <laughs> right. everyday Halloween. Uh, but if you have a good cheap my hero idea, send it to us. Tweet or tweeter at us. Tweet 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 at us. <laughs> <laughs> tweet at us or hit us up at Discord. We'd love to uh, see what you're thinking about. Or especially if you win as a My Hero uh, character this year, yeah. Halloween, send us your outfits. Like, I'm going to post my outfit in the Discord on Monday. Uh, you should too, Atkins. You had a pretty cool one. Yeah, I posted it in our Discord, I think, oh, once that's already. Right. So. That's right. You know me. I'm not actually in there. <laughs> that's good, because there's something that I want to share with you later, and I wanted a like a clean reaction for. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, because, I, uh, because there was a good chance that you weren't going to see it, then I am able to send it to you, and it'll be great. That is good. Cool. Well, man, what do you say we hop into these episodes? Yeah, we've got a lot of ground to cover. These were major episodes. We're covering goodness, yeah. uh, episodes 116, 117. And so if you're reading along in the manga, that's going to cover chapters 264 through 270. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of content. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. They covered a lot of these episodes. Uh, well, the first episode, 116, is titled One's Justice. And it is opening up pretty much just recapping the first two episodes of the season, which I know we uh, we begrudgingly talk about that a lot on this uh, channel. I say this channel, this podcast. That seems to happen a lot in My Hero, though. You can. It's the same stupid thing that I've complained about in several of these episodes. Uh, you can skip past the introduction of the show and miss absolutely nothing, and it's frustrating every time. I'm going to stop complaining about it going forward, but just know that every time that they do that, I'm unhappy about it. 
it just eats into like what I would consider showtime. I want I want that time back. Give it to me. Yeah. Well, the, when we do catch up with, you know, new content, uh, the heroes at the Gunga Village have sealed off all the underground entrances, save uh, a couple inside of the main building that uh, Cementos couldn't reach. Uh, and we get this funny to me scene, at least, where Redestro and Hanabata are down in the uh, underground meeting area, and they didn't get skeptics. The meeting is canceled, Mimbo, which is hardly their fault. They were underground. Uh, but this messenger delivers that news that the heroes are attacking. Countless numbers are rushing in. The villas half destroyed, paths to surface destroyed, blah, blah, blah. And this stresses Redestro out. He's initially standing there all smiley and whatnot. Um, but then his stress quirk pops, uh, giving us a little uh, glimpse into what he's actually thinking and feeling, which is cool that he, is, he oh, wears that man. particular emotion on his on his person. That was such a funny scene. I'm with you. Like it had me cracking up because he's just so happy chipper standing there like, Oh, we're about to take over the world. And then this random dude is just like, everything's burning down. And he immediately like stresses and his quirk pops and you see his skin, like turn that dark color. And he, I think he makes a funny little noise. Like it, it reminds me in comics, you know how they'll have uh, like the character will say something, but then they have the speech bubbles, like the thought bubbles of what they actually feel. Right. Right. This was a moment like that where like the quirk showed exactly how he was feeling. And it was so awesome. Remember when I pitched the idea of like the, your quirk being that you were a mood ring and like whatever you felt, your body changed to that color. Oh, he's yeah. he's kind of got that one f- facet of it, the stress facet. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and it turns him brown and oh. also giant. And very strong. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Cementos it just comes in and starts demolishing everything at this point. It's really awesome because we kind of zoom, like I say zoom out, but it, it's almost like we see this whole like area from outside and it just melts. Like Cementos just starts melting everything, including down underground. Like all those pillars start to melt. And we get this really cool scene where Charge Bolt is in the background, just absolutely absorbing everything from that Bolt villain's attack. I don't know that we still have gotten his no name. name. Yet. Just no name dude who, for some reason, knows the exact name of Kaminari's quirk. It's strange. It's he says it's his it nephew, exactly in the mon- or in the anime. He does not say it quite that way in the manga. We also get like a crazy scene here where Edshot comes in because that guy, that villain, is about to, I guess, charge up even more uh, to see whether or not Kaminari is able to take it. But Edshot pops in and he does like an ultimate Nimpo thousand sheet pierce, and he pierces a bunch of these villains right up front, like a little hole in their lung. And he pretty much is just like, y'all might want to lay there and chill because if you move at all, you're probably going to die. And then midnight bounces in and just puts everyone to sleep in this immediate vicinity. It's this, this little combo between all of them was so cool. Yeah. Kamui Woods is doing his lacquered chain prison, um, which I had this question. Is he bound to them at that point or does he snap the, the branches off? that he is used to bind them. I couldn't remember what the visual did or if he's just like has to stay in there with all these branches coming out of his arms where he has, uh, you know, subdued all these villains and now he's rooted in place or can he do more stuff? I can't remember. I feel like it's situational. So like if he's in a small room and he's just got two or three people, I feel like I remember seeing him like hold those individuals. Yeah. But in scenarios like this, I feel like he'd be able, cause he has a bunch. I feel like he'd be able to break off like, parts of the limbs or whatever and just leave them and keep moving i don't know though because i don't think we're explicitly shown yeah we're not um honanuki sends dozens of others into the earth up to their waists um kamori inflicts them all with a fungus um and what's nuts and i was talking about this in the discord the other day up to this point 
um, in in season six during this whole assault here at the at the Gunga uh, Villa or whatever, we've seen dozens of quirks used by different heroes. And outside of um, some of these smaller skirmishes like Dobby and Hawks and Twice, we've only seen one villain's actual quirk, and it's the nameless Electric Man. None of the other villains, unless they have a physical quirk, have we seen do anything. We've seen some of the people whose quirks affected the way that they look running around, but we haven't seen any other villain throw anything quirk-related at the heroes, and I find that mind-boggling. I think the intent there, and something that doesn't translate super well in, I guess, a lot of shows, really, everything we've seen so far has probably happened in like a two-minute time span. I don't know that they've had a chance to respond. Like, I think we're the message that they're intending to send is that this is so unexpected and they're hitting them so hard, so quick out of nowhere that nobody's able to like even put two and two together enough to actually do anything. I don't like it. I know. And it's hard, too, because we're four episodes in to the season. But I really think that like the actual battles haven't been going on that long. Like, I, I would say five minutes max. Yeah, yeah, the time dilation is a thing when you're watching something like this, especially when you're trying to keep track of narrative in several different places. Um, but it it didn't strike me until my second watch that I was like, man, we've seen all these heroes doing all this stuff to all these villains and not a single villain, some of many of whom knew what was going on enough to have rushed out to confront the heroes on you know the lawn, per se. None of them does anything with a quirk except for the electric guy. And it's just taken out too quick. I mean, really? I don't know. I I just, I don't like that. You don't (laughs) don't like that as an explanation. (laughs) I think like if I had a quirk and somebody busted into this room that I'm sitting in right now, I could deploy it rather quickly. And if there were other people in the, I don't know. It's just, I think there's probably good reasons as far as like animation and possibly even creativity goes, but it did, it stands out to me, especially on that second watch through. I couldn't not see that all of these villains were doing precisely nothing um, and it does make it seem, um, at the same time that the heroes have this overwhelming, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, upper hand, uh, and maybe they're doing that for some narrative hinge effect later on, but I just couldn't not see that the villains were doing Jack and Diddley, um, during this entire battle, but getting wrecked and nobody is doing anything except for the electric dude. And he doesn't even get a name. <laughs> he is one of the like leaders though. Like he leads one of the, uh, uh special ops groups i'm pretty sure yeah he was a lieutenant maybe to one yeah. of them he wasn't like one of the big or he he was one of the aides he wasn't one of the lieutenants oh he wasn't i could have sworn he was so you know i told you uh last episode that i got spoiled on something and i think it's going to be happening soon mm-hmm. if it does happen soon i can promise you that what you're saying is about to change like either they're they're dominating right now and we're about to see that switch that you mentioned or something goes terribly wrong if 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 it what I think is going to happen is about to happen because there's just no way that something doesn't just totally switch. And I can't wait for that because things are going to get dark quick. I think the folks in the discord were wondering if that they remembered you mentioned in that they in the did. last episode and yes. they were wondering if that happened in these two. So you're saying it hasn't, it hasn't happened. In fact, I don't okay. remember who it was, but I do uh, shadow that discord and I saw two people talking about that. They had them in spoilers and they know exactly what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I, I don't know that it happens this season necessarily because they didn't say anything like like that but i mean if it doesn't i just don't see where it's going to fit in down the line if it doesn't happen here so we'll see gotcha. back into the episode we've uh we got hawks 
off into uh, this little kind of area at the villa and he's got twice just totally pinned down. I mean, he's it's weird kind of because he's like levitating him with some of his feathers, but he's got hundreds of feathers all around him. He's holding two massive like feather swords and man, he's kind of giving him this like do or die moment. Like, man, it's it's your moment. Like, you know, do you want to give up? Do you want to give in? Do you want to start over? And he's kind of going into this whole thing where he's explaining that like he's the one that betrayed him effectively and he did get all these people set up and how hard it was to tell them that, you know, these things were happening and keep it coded because he even makes a, a, a remark about how like, you know, skeptic was probably listening in and like cuts that mic off of twice. So that way skeptic can't listen anymore. Uh, but gosh, it's just crazy. Cause he, he tells him he's going to try to hand him over to the police and that he just wants to turn him in. But I just, this whole scene is just hard, man, because you can tell that like Hawks didn't want to have to, do anything against twice like he just wants twice to give up give himself over and that's not who twice is yeah he wants twice specifically to surrender so that uh hawks can in the future after some some of this debt has been paid to society um participate in his rehabilitation he uh, the the way that this scene works so well because hawks clearly has a tremendous amount of care for twice like he's he's been sent there on a mission but that there's also some emotion wrapped up in some of this so he says please don't put up a fight i'll restrain you like this and then hand you over to the police um twice starts having all these flashbacks about these other times where he has been uh the person most closely tied to somebody that has uh brought calamity upon the league of villains so uh previously it was overhaul which led to magne's death and the loss of compress's arm um and I love that there's this one recalled moment from, I think it was the first episode of season six where um, Twice says uh, something like, no one uh, working to help his buddies is a bad guy. And I have in my notes, who is recalling that scene? And I think yeah. it's Hawks. I think Hawks is remembering Twice saying that because he feels like the bad guy. He feels like the bad cop here. Um, and he's almost like mentally saying, but this is the right thing. This is the good thing. He's a buddy. I want what's best for him. Because uh, right after that, Hawk says, I'll help you start over because you're a good person. Um, and he goes on to say, I don't want to fight you. Uh, man, it's so good. Um, oh, it is. Yeah. Because this is the part where like twice starts to try to break out of like that feather trap. And Hawks realizes it, realizes it, and he's just screaming his name. He's just like Babagara, no, like, like yes. don't, like just stay there. Like, That's come the on, other you thing. idiot! So, oh my God, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> two things about this is the first thing Hawks does is he partially cuts off Twice's mask in an attempt to paralyze Twice because he knows that uh, you know if if Twice's face is exposed, that sometimes that shuts him down. Twice is pushing through that, but through this entire scene, and I watched it two or three times just to make sure. Hawks does not once refer to twice as twice. No, he calls him no. Bubai Guara the whole time. That's personal. Yeah. Um, that's not any, there's no distancing in that. And I thought that that was a freaking great writing touch. Oh man. And there's this quote too, that, that uh, twice says, he says, it always turns out like this because of me. It's just like, dang dude, like, you know, he has to feel so guilty again. He was somebody's pawn. Yeah. Or he, yeah, that's how, that's, what his perception of this is. And he says, absolutely. the anime says it maybe a little bit less uh, good than the manga does when he says, my soul only exists for the sake of everyone else's ha- happiness. Oh yeah. That's the down manga, the line, but yeah. The manga is I'd trade my soul for the league's happiness. And so the first one kind of feels like 
um, like he's in a place where he's being taken advantage of. And the second one is he's he's proactive and sacrificial. So I liked the manga wording of that better. But he's popped Sad Man's Parade in there, all these twices in the room. Oh, man, it's so good. It's such a great visual. Yeah, because the last thing we kind of start to see is him starting to like double up. And then we get so we get ripped right back uh, to the entrance here where basically everyone is still trying to lock down all these passages. And we meet up with Fat Gum and what I called uh, Bird Boys Squared. And in fact, I said this team name should just be called uh, Two Birds and an Egg. Because it's like fat gum, and then it's uh, Yamajiki. Am I getting that right? Amajiki. Amajiki. I was so close. Uh, and Tokoyami. So they're kind of both bird boys. Like Amajiki's got the bird feet. Tokoyami's got the bird head. They're they're basically just missing the body. Is Amajiki rocking the bird feet right here in this scene? I don't recall that. I thought and he I meant always to look did, and see cause... if he was running around barefoot too, and I forgot to look. Because I thought that was his like normal loadout was that uh, like the bird feet and having the um, octopus arms and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, I mean, he definitely eats some weird stuff for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had to have. Holy cow, I wouldn't have wanted to see his breakfast, that's for sure. Yeah, I thought it was strange that um, Fat Gum has to flag Tokoyami down, as if Tokoyami did not have orders to hang with Fat Gum. This is where you're going to go, this is what you're going to do. Um, seems like a, maybe a lack of communication there, but he flags him down, he explains there are five more entrances to the underground that were outside of Cementos's range. Um, a bunch of scrub villains are blocking one of the entrances, um, so... Fat Gum seeks Sun Eater on him, and he does a move called Vast Hybrid Chimera Centaur, which is like, I assume he ate horse, which I don't think is an unusual thing for Japanese people to do. Um, I hope I'm not misrecalling that, like horse is something that you can get over there. Um, but then he also has like pineapples or dandelions, <laughs> like it was hard, or possibly both. It was very hard to tell. It's and a crazy scene. Like, his transformation is nuts. The only explanation I could have for pineapples and dandelions... Well, I guess pineapples, you know, they're hard and spiky. But, like, is Hawks's intel so thorough that he's like, all of these dudes are allergic to <laughs> pineapples and dandelions. So if you just wallop them with those fruits, they'll break out in hives and they'll be incapacitated. I wonder if his intel went that deep. That would be pretty wild. I would guess, though, that like if you had medical record access, that kind of stuff would be available. That's true. So they send Tokoyami down one of these hallways uh, to summon Dark Shadow, and he uh, calls Dark Shadow uh, his, this move where he's like supposedly at his strongest. Um, they call it Ragnarok. But, and this is something, like it's, it's bet, it, maybe it's better, like you understand it. Like, there's light where he is because we can see him. He's not doing this in pitch black. But I wonder if that's just there so that we can see them and then it's not a bunch of just black panels with a bunch of noise going on in the background, you know? Yeah, um, I, I had a hard time reading this scene too because you can interpret it kind of both ways where it's like either it's totally pitch black in there and he really is super strong because it's an underground tunnel, so that sort of makes sense. The villains hadn't escaped into it yet. Maybe they didn't flip the light switch. So sure, why not? But then there's also that other hand of like, well, they had to light it up to show us what the hell was going on. So yeah, that's that's how I chose to read it. Even though I think that there are some like low lights on the on the walls so that people moving through those tunnels can see. But this uh, is a Rita, cool scene either way. It, it is, oh yeah, it looks fantastic. Oh and, yeah, because Dark Shadow like rips down this tunnel and eventually just meets Redestro, who just immediately stresses out and tries to take on Dark Shadow. And it's pretty nuts because he sort of does put a stop to him, like. There's definitely resistance there, but Dark Shadow ends up busting him through a wall kind of back into that main underground hallway that we see quite a bit. 
And then poor Dark Shadow like loses his mind and backs right back up to Tokoyami and is like, bro, there's some bad stuff down there. And I am not talking about Redestro. Yeah, so Redestro is able, I would argue, to hold off um, Tokoyami and Dark Shadow, except for the fact that he had like a prosthetic leg that failed. That failed, uh, yeah. And that's what uh, caused him to lose his leverage because it was a deadlock and he wasn't really moving very much, if at all. But Dark Shadow does pop a hole into the meeting space. Um, and gasps before winding back to Tokoyami, which, like, he did so through Rubble, so I guess he can... I never thought about this, but I guess Dark Shadow can choose when he wants to be material and when he wants to be immaterial? Or I would assume so. How did he kind of suck back up to Tokoyami, and how does he exist within Tokoyami at the same time? So I guess that that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's worried about... Uh, um, the Gollum thing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember his Machia. name. Titanomachia? Gigantomachia. Gigantomachia, yeah. Um, but Fat Gum's just like, ah, don't worry about him, and, and unless he receives uh, an order from... And he says the enemy leader, making a reference to Shigaraki, I assume, or possibly Garaki, because... Did Garaki give him orders one time? I feel like he did. Yeah, he, he did. absolutely he did. He gave him orders attack. in between, but Shigaraki won uh, Gigantomachia over as yeah. the new master. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so he says that uh, the current leader is taking a long nap, and this is where Tokiyomi's trying to figure out how they know so much. And Fat Gum's like, well, it's your boy Hawks, bro. Yeah. Did you feel like that was like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing? What? The whole, like, oh, don't worry about the Gollum. He'll stay asleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gigantic totally. is definitely getting... He's getting like, woken yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I was just 100%. curious if you thought that, too, because I was like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but there's no way they don't wake that SOB up and him just wreck a bunch of stuff, because you right. know, like, yeah, that's what he's there for. Then we get something in the anime and the manga that I have mixed feelings over. Um, it seemed like people in the Discord were fairly up on it, but uh, Fat Gum looks at Tokoyama and he says, okay, we're going back. Hop into my stomach. Yeah. And he escorts not just Tokoyami. Later on, he escorts the uh, the two 1B students and also Kaminari to the back lines by shoving them into his belly feet first so that just their heads are sticking out like little warts or, or nipples. And it's weird and unnecessary because they can all move. And they could, many of them, I would say, would probably be able to move faster than fat gum. So why the hell is this a thing? Uh, so my thought behind this, cause at first I had that reaction too. I was like, fat taxi is insane. What is this? Like why? But then I started thinking about it and he makes a point. It may not be in this episode. It may be in the next one. Cause we kind of catch back up with them. Um, yeah, it's actually at the beginning of the next one. I'm looking at my notes here. He is a much more experienced hero than them. And on top of that, the whole point of having those students there was, and he says this, to effectively just take out as many people as they could right at the get-go with their superior quirks that are meant for that kind of thing. They have fulfilled their purpose. They're not true-blown heroes yet. He is probably taking care of them from like an administrative pr perspective, but also having them all grouped together and in a protective body totally cool because they may be faster but if villains do get out and attack because like you said we haven't really seen this happen yet they've taken out a lot of pawns i would guess the big guys are probably deeper in a couple of minutes have passed more time has gone on those big guys are about to come out so they got to get the students out of there it makes sense that they kind of like put them in this big blubbery protection of a human that could potentially protect them if you needed to I don't know. I, I thought that it was extra in the parlance of the teenagers. And I, I mean, like it was Fat silly. Taxi. I'd, I like it. I thought it was yeah. a cool move. But that's I me. was just like, why? Like for for the gag? That's what it. That's how I felt. But I'm I'm a big old wet towel apparently. So I guess so. Jeez, <laughs> have a heart. Have some humor. No, I'm kidding. We catch back up to Twice and Hawks, and 
twice at this point is saying that he's going to take responsibility this time. And he goes on the assault against uh, Hawks. So Feather start making quick work of all of his doubles. I mean, just flashing in red, uh, dazzling lights in and out of these things, just turning them back oh, into yeah. the goo that they came from. And Hawks scene. is paying him mad respect. He's like, I'm amazed at how quickly you're creating them. But since you're doubling and doubling them, they aren't as durable. Um, and he says this, uh, and I thought that this was good too. This is well-written and executed. He says, I'm not letting emotions cause me to make a mistake. Uh, if you'd come with me quietly, we could have done something. I did like you. Um, and I, I think I, I think I'd mentioned it in the last episode that I wondered if Hawks's uh, exposure to twice during all of this undercover stuff would make this decisive moment more difficult, but he does seem to be able to compartmentalize a little um, while also being honest about how he felt and um, his goals. But his he's got like primary and secondary goals. Primary goal, stop twice. Secondary goal would be... Save uh, twice? <laughs> save twice, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, listen, if you won't let me save you by making this a, a, a nonviolent um, encounter, then I have to default to the primary, which is to stop you any way that I can. And I think because of his training, which I'm going to talk very pointedly about a little later on, he's able to do that. Yeah, and it's this is pretty crazy because he's even telling twice, like, man, I considered you a friend, you know, and twice summons his quote unquote real friends with some of his dupes and they're all like melty and gross looking, but Hawks puts them down. I mean, he's in fact, I think there's a moment here where even twice is like, you're killing them so fast, I can't even see what's happening just because of how fast those feathers are moving. This is kind of a badass scene. It really shows off just how powerful Hawks really is with those feathers, man. I, yeah, he asks twice why do you think i do that why do you think i take villains down as quickly as possible it's because the ones who don't give up are the ones that are most terrifying for heroes those with strong wills won't lose consciousness and so he's seeing that quality in twice here uh, yeah. he ends up slicing twice in the chest and pins him down with his feathers the long like swordy ones at his neck um and uh, i think it's hawk says this since neither side will give up all that's left is to kill and I thought that that was an interesting point because yes. I wondered how, to, like, to what extent are the heroes going in with a zero kill count in mind? Or if they're going to realize that that is not the perspective that the villains are going to have. And so they are going to, in a lot of cases, going to have to not just incapacitate, which they've done so far with Lacquer Chain Prison, uh, Midnight's pheromones. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, with Honanuke putting, like, at some point they're going to run into folks that are going to be like going in with their lives and the heroes might have to match that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had that thought too, because the fact of the matter is cement toss could have snuck up to this building and just leveled it on top of everybody and mm -hmm. problem solved. Like they could have just walked away. <laughs> One man job. <laughs> One man job. They wouldn't have even had to have this huge infiltration. Like take cement toss to the villa, drop it on them, take him to the hospital, drop it on them. Done. We get, it's like the classic, <laughs> are you going to be Batman about this or are you going to be Vegeta about this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so this whole scene between Hawks and twice, this felt like a samurai showdown to me from Hawks's perspective, like every, the way he's talking the way he's moving and the way he's holding those swords, like the music and everything, it felt so much like a samurai showdown. It was just so epic. I found it extremely heartbreaking, and I think that that is totally the intent. I, oh, I was yeah. heartbroken for twice. I was heartbroken for Hawks. Like, there wasn't a party that I 
had my heartstrings attached to they were attached to both in this situation it sucked for both of them it did it was such a hard like the end of this episode and some of the next episode is just so hard because twice is tragic and i think we've talked about that before that like twice isn't a bad guy and hawks knows that he's not really a bad dude he just got mixed up with the wrong folks that happened to be the ones that took care of him you know and if society had looked out for twice he would have been a good dude to society instead he was cast out and he, i mean he kind of makes point of that himself uh but right here at the scene this is kind of when like things take a huge turn because hawks has got him pinned down he is absolutely ready to kill twice he, like you said he's got him i think it's explained that he cut the muscle from his uh bones so like he can't move um, and as he's about to kill him, this massive blue flame just totally wrecks the side of the screen, overtaking everything. And you hear Dobby say something like, you didn't notice me, did you? Because you gave in to your emotions. Ah, oh, man, that's yeah, so epic. You were distracted by your emotions and made a mistake, even though you said. So he was there at least that long, just oh, kind of yeah. eavesdropping. But he chose his moment to intervene. I had one more note before we catch up with Dobby, too. Twice says, um, you know how Toga wraps me up with her handkerchief? This is the second time oh, I've got yeah. everyone caught in a trap like this. And I was like, you mean you've done this twice? Uh, <laughs> that's his name. It's right on the tip. Um, so... Uh, Hawks does when D uh, Dobby blasts in, he does manage to snatch uh, twice out of the way, which is pretty good. Uh, he continues to do what he can on behalf of twice uh, or Bubai Guara, as he would say here. Uh, but he does. He says Dobby looks down at twice and he says, you didn't do anything wrong. It's always the heroes that are wrong. And he tries to do this little fire stomp thing on Hawks, but Hawks is too fast, of course. Uh, but he's still towing uh Bubai Gawara around with him like keeps on moving him out of the way yeah and Dobby's like well you lost all your weapons Mr. Birdie Boy and Hawks's retort is you were about to burn your friend up um and I just have in my notes doesn't doesn't this prove perhaps who the real friend is like Dobby was like I'm a I'll I'll take twice as collateral if I have to is kind of what he's doing but he kind of Backpedals on that saying well heroes are known for being able to save lives in an instant as if he knew that this is what twice was going to do and the speed with which he was going to use or uh, the speed with which he was going to do it. But then later on, he ends up totally surprised by his speed over and over again. So yeah, it, this whole thing kind of felt weird. It almost felt like they wanted to have a dramatic moment, but then backtracked it because even here he's totally willing to quill, kill twice, but later on he's pissed at Hawks for, for doing it spoilers uh, because he wanted his quirk. And so it's like, hold on a second. Like if he was that important to you, why did you, seem to be totally fine wiping him out earlier i don't know that whole thing i didn't like the way they kind of backtracked over that with him being upset that you know that happened so frustrating uh to me a little bit because it's it's hard to and maybe they do this on purpose it's hard to nail down dobby's motives and and we get more of that later where even hawks is like i know nothing about you but i think it's even harder for the audience sometimes because we can't figure out occasionally what his motives are either like what is he trying to get at or do and that this is one of those moments to me where we're seeing two different stories really um mm. but but this is this is nuts man like dobby just absolutely is the worst pair up for hawks uh and poor twice actually gets to the point where he like traps hawks he's still caught up in this game that these people are his real friends and so he like doubles himself basically traps hawks and tells dobby like dude flame him up and he's running off to the side dobby does he try to grabs the handkerchief he grabs the actual real handkerchief here in this scene it's great it's very yeah he does it's much more obvious in the manga because it's a still you know yeah but you do see it in the anime he goes out of his way to grab that handkerchief that he had referenced yeah and there's actually a moment here i think i might have skipped too that i thought was really important where hawks is like 
trying to figure out what the hell to do. Like he's trying to buy time and he just says something like, so did you just figure it out? Did you never trust me? Like you're attacking me as if you always knew. And Dobby's like, man, I just never trusted you. Which I thought was pretty. so Dobby. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Uh, But as twice is like running past uh, Dobby in order to, you know, kill Hawks, he, he high fives him. And again, I'm just like, dude, this is not your friend. Like you just abandoned your friend. What is happening here? Yeah, but Hawks appears in the doorway even as Dobby continues to blast in the direction he'd been last been seen because he had gone out of the window with the flames and then swung around. So he's going to go give another killing blow on twice. Gets interrupted by Dobby again, but this time Dobby does it with his words. Uh, he calls out Hawks's name, which is the first time that we've ever heard it. It is Takami Kaigo, and this causes Hawks to pause just long enough um, for him to be put back in the crosshairs again. Yeah, and we kind of switch over to Twice's point of view because he is now like on this little like outcropping of that building. It's kind of like a front porch almost is what I had in my notes. And he's looking down into the villa that has been really opened up because you can even see down all the way into the basement where everyone's been hanging out with Redestro. And he's just, I mean, torn apart. Like he feels like he caused it's this whole graphic. thing. Gosh, it is. It really, really is. And he's just so absolutely upset about it. Uh, and he's talking about how like all he wants to do is get back at the heroes. Like he wants to save them. Yeah, he wants to save Toga and Compress, and they're being pursued by this weird-armed hero that kind of looks like he's controlling those clay things that one of the Akatsuki did. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're Um, right. It kind of, similar aesthetic, but they're coming out of, like, the back of his, like, the top of his wrist, where, like, Wolverine's claws come out. That's where these things are coming out. I felt like it was, Uh, like, a sock puppet quirk. Oh, yeah, because they look like sock puppets to me. Yeah, Yeah. Um, it's cool, though, because the mask that he's wearing has, like, the mouth piece ripped off i think that was intentional i don't think that was battle damage no i don't makes it look like the little things coming out of his arms yeah no i agree with you i just thought he was kind of a silly looking hero (laughs) in the in the anime he says that he's going to swallow them in the manga he says you're under arrest so i'm swallowing you up which i thought i i read i read it in the manga as euphemistic um but in the anime i was like is he are these things about to really swallow them (laughs) i couldn't tell it's hard to tell um, we also get another name revealed in this particular episode. It is Mr. Compresses. I don't think we've ever heard his name until this oh, episode. Man, I don't even know that I caught that his name was said here. Atsuhiro Sako, uh, because this hero, whatever his name is, um, calls out uh, Himiko Toga and Atsuhiro Sako. Huh, yeah, uh, I didn't catch on to that. he snatches them up. Uh, so they, uh, he ex- expresses to them that this really is the end of the League of Villains, but then he gets stabbed by twice as double a lot. A bunch. I mean, like over and over and over again. It's it's almost like Twice can't really completely control this double. So he's got him doing like one function, if that makes sense, because he's just stabbing him real slowly, saying like, die. over uh, and over. Yeah, it's rough. It's man. so robotic. Uh, and I, I don't think we covered this, like, but right before we cut from Twice, he doubles himself. And then there's mm-hmm. this big blue flame background and you can see Hawks. You can see Hawks coming through it. That was Dude, one of my favorite visuals. It's so cool. Like that's that visual is just so awesome. Uh, but back into this scene here, uh, Twice effectively saves you know, Toga and Compress because he kills this hero and he walks up to them and they're like stoked. They're like, dude, awesome. Thank you. Let's go. We got to get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't like, I, I just can't come with you. He, I can barely contain myself. And then of course it's twice. So he pulls a joke. He's like, it's like when you got to poop. 
uh, and he starts like melting as they sort of approach him and he hands Toga uh, the handkerchief and he's apologizing to them and he's just like this is my fault like I you know they attacked it was Hawks that betrayed us and gosh like it just goes into him you know talking about like wanting to save them again and take care of them and he's so sad he's never going to you know have Toga wrap him up and he hates that he got her hurt again. I think he says, like, I hate that I caused your cute face to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she takes that handkerchief and she's, you know, like trying to internalize everything that's happening her here or happening to them here is he's just slowly melting and he's like hugging her. And he has this internal thought. He says, it's true in my life that I kept falling. I got tricked. Uh, I lost my friends. I got tricked again. Um, and And he says, you know, but like the hero... You, the Hawks, you know, you don't get to decide that I was unlucky. I was happy to be here the whole time. And, yeah, such a good line. Uh, man, like, just so, like I said, so much about this is just so sad. Um, yeah, it's sad, too, to me that w- he goes to give this handkerchief back to Togo, but it's oh just God, a copy. It's just, and it um, melts into, like, that muddy, gross yeah. goo. So he he dies with, uh, with the original in his possession. Um, and that, I don't know why, but that, that just made me sad. It not made me not sad that, too. that Toga didn't get her handkerchief back, but that I think there really was a part of twice that wanted to give the original back, but he just, he just couldn't. Yeah. He, he, he didn't have it in him to do that. Yeah. Uh, man, what a good freaking episode. It was. And it ends right here. Like it just cuts, but I wish it hadn't like the only thing I would have done differently to really just twist the knife here. I wish it had cut back to that scene of Twice and his double, like that original one, sitting on those kind of like barrels, like smoking a cigarette under the bridge. It should have just cut mm. back to that for a few seconds. That would have been that so would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I like the idea of that. Yeah, man. Excellent episode. So, so well done. Well written, well executed. Um, it was. It had the emotion. It had the action. I don't know that there's much about this episode that many folks could complain about outside of losing a beloved uh, character. Even though he was a villain, he was very, very popular uh, in in the fandom and is like will remain. It's not like his death is going to strip that title from him. People, I think some people are genuinely pissed that he's dead now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he he just brings so much to the show. Um, And I agree with you. Like, there's nothing to complain about on this episode except for his loss. In fact, I would say this is easily in my top five now, if not in the top three. Like, God, what an episode. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Good job. Good job, Horikoshi. Great job, Bones, on animating this whole thing. Uh, A plus up. A plus up, super good. Absolutely. One that I would I would definitely consider rewatching again over and over again, even in isolation from the rest of the stuff, just knowing what goes on before it. I think this 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 is one of the best episodes of the show, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, episode 117 follows it up though, man. Inheritance is its name. And I thought this was an excellent episode itself. Like it didn't have the uh huge emotional swings to it as far as I'm concerned, but like as far as just getting this narrative along, we are just getting information dumped in our laps, man. And it's awesome. Yeah. We start off with another explanation of Hawk's quirk, which we won't retread here um, outside of the fact that there is a little bit of a discussion between Tokoyami and Hawks about Hawks's weaknesses. Um, and he does say that if he had one, it would probably be fire, but that's, that's why he tries to kill everybody really fast or incapacitate people really fast. He doesn't have to worry about his weaknesses. If he overcomes, um, the obstacle, uh, swiftly, yeah. I did like too. <laughs> this is kind of funny. It's not animated, but in the manga, uh, he Hawks is being like catcalled. 
uh, I guess, oh, really? by some fans. Yeah. <laughs> and and little hearts are floating up, and he actually is, like, interacting with one with his hands during this scene. Oh, it's that's just funny. kind of a, a yeah. cute little silly thing. But now Fat Taxi has got four passengers, uh, Hononuki, Tokoyami, Kaminari, and Kamori. Um, it even gets its own no, uh, logo. Um, Kaminari says something like, I wouldn't mind living here, which gross. Um, <laughs> you have know, some living standards, man. I didn't even think about it till just now, but he is a bird that's basically nesting. Like, the, the, uh, that no, is Kaminari. Oh, Kaminari. it is Kaminari. It's not Tokoyami. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That would be weird. I mean, yeah. That I mean, the nesting thing would be would still be weird to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tokoyami actually does point out here, or at least sees that uh, the Hawks' encounter with Dobby. And I think we kind of, I think they're gleaning to the idea that like, gleaning, what am I saying? I think they're trying to infer that he noticed Hawks like flying out when Dobby attacks. So he's actually seeing this like, and it's happening as, you know, we were seeing everything else in the previous episode. Either that or um, I, my thought on that was that uh, Dobby's distinctive blue, fa- blue flame is distinct and Tokoyami would have seen it at the summer camp. Um, or would he have? That's the only time where I can think of he might have seen it. I don't think it. he would have, though, because Tokoyami was consumed by Dark Shadow. So yeah. I don't think well, he would have ever have seen Dobby's because Dobby yeah. was the one that went to the classroom and attacked there. Yeah, I don't think... Um, yeah, that that was what I was just realizing. Too. My thing, I, I think, Dobby was definitely on the scene of the summer camp. I just don't know that he got involved where Tokoyami could have seen him. He was too busy uh, fighting Moonfish um, and terrorizing other campers. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, Dark Shadow on the on the. I didn't take it as him seeing Hawks. Is is what I mean? I think that there was. Um, I think that it was those blue flames that maybe he was like, don't tell me that he's here. But all we get is don't tell me. Man, I swear. Don't tell me what? Fill in the blanks. I think you got to go back and watch just that one part because I think there is a little thing that comes out of the window. That's why I think he saw Hawks. Mm, like there's okay. it's I'll real small it. yeah i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it uh but either way we get transitioned back over to dobby and hawks and dobby is pissed because hawks killed twice and i do you feel like it's a disservice to twice that we didn't even see like the stabbing blow or the killing blow or anything i mean all we got was that shot of hawks kind of like right behind him so there's a lot of inference here no i think that it's a favor you think um, so yeah because I, um, I i think that too like that whole backstab things a little overplayed since final fantasy seven um and i wouldn't want that to detract from the scene you know yeah and it's a bummer that and you use you use those words i don't know if you meant them intentionally or not um but that dobby does feel like he's been backstabbed right oh yeah absolutely Um, i do think that i think it was a favor i also think man how difficult would it have been for them to draw hawks's face during that um like, is he stone faced while he does this, even though he knows he has to, but he doesn't want to, uh, because we already know that emotions have already, you know, definitely gotten wrapped up in all of this. I, I do think it was more of a favor to the audience than anything. Um, and the the slow melting of twice yeah. is a lot better for dramatic effect than uh, a swift slash and, a, a you know, a crumpling twice i agree so I, th- I think that it worked out better that's a good point if they had drawn his face they probably just would have like had his eyes closed or stone face like you said i'm i definitely think that that's or true just bl- they could have messed with us and just blacked it out like he would have been oh, fully in shadow we're like but what is he feeling that would have been awesome <laughs> he's not a mood ring dude <laughs> oh man that's that would have been really awesome uh dobby takes twice or not twice dobby takes hawks out like immediately i mean he kicks him and then just burns all of his feathers away or at least enough of his feathers to really paralyze him in this fight and it's crazy because dobby's just going off about this and hawks is like well that doesn't look like the face of someone who just lost their friend and it 
pans the camera up to Dobby's face, and it is this like horrifying smile. I mean, smoke curling up uh, in his mouth. It's so crazy looking. I mean, just it's almost demonic, I would say, because you can't really tell is he smiling or is it the damage that's done to his face and even uh dobby is like well come on man that's not fair like my tear ducts were burned away i can't even cry <laughs> he just accused hawks of making fun of a disabled person i know <laughs> oh man it was like kind of a nice little comedic relief honestly like you kind of needed that after everything that happened with twice man but he says dobby says of course i'm sad i'm really sad and he we get this dope scene of of his flames growing and writhing around him at the epicenter and Hawks is frustrated that he had all this intel on the league, but none on Shiggy or Dobby. Um, and this is where we get this flashback where uh, young Hawks is standing there clutching a little Endeavor doll. And this older man is saying, today you'll say goodbye to that name, to Kago. Um, we will have you complete an exclusive program to turn you into a special hero. The training can be tough. Can you handle it? And this is where I started to have major problems. Because number one, how is a kid going to know the answer to that last question? Really? Can you handle it? He, he, he can't answer decif- uh, decisively or, or uh, with, with uh, being fully informed, in my opinion. And number two, this takes the child soldier thing to a whole nother level for this television show. And it still bothers me every time I see it. Like he oh, is yeah. being, he has been singled out explicitly to be groomed to do this one job. And they, they, they frame it as volitional by asking that question, can you handle it? But he's a child. He has Dude, no idea. You're right. And um, you're about to feed into a theory that I'm going to tell you that may blow your mind. Oh, really? It's something right. that I had a thought last night. This scene made me think this, and I cannot wait to talk to somebody about it because I've been like itching for weeks to say this to somebody. <laughs> you're going to tell it now? or No, you, no, no. I'm going to let you finish. No, keep finishing. I, we'll, we'll finish this little scene here. Oh, well, I mean, all, it just ends with Hawk saying, will I be able to become a hero like him and get the bad guys? Will well, I be able to cheer everyone up? But this goes into a big thing, right? This is a huge thing. Apparently, it's a big thing in the manga, too, where Hawks is like, who the F are you, basically? Like, I need right. to know who you are. And in yeah. the anime, it just kills the sound, and we see Dobby mouth something. And Hawks' yes. eyes get huge. In, yes. in the manga, it's like a blacked-out panel, apparently, right? Right. Okay, here's my theory. We know who Dobby is. Like, it's been spoiled for us, effectively, right? Yeah, he's he's the other Todoroki kid. Yes. That's now, what he's saying there. That's what he's saying there, which blows Hawks' minds because he was in that special program with that Todoroki kid. That's how he knows his real name, and that's why it blows his mind. They were best mm. friends. That See? totally makes so much sense. Like, Endeavor would absolutely put his star child into some spec ops program to make him this big spectacle. The kid either fails and quote unquote commits suicide or he fails and got killed. And that's like the big Todoroki shame. That is not how I read this. I read this as the insertion of the Endeavor doll and Hawk saying, can I be like him and get the bad guys? And then having that Todoroki name uh, kind of uh, brutalized, tarnished by Dobby and his mere existence and all the things that he does. I think that that was where the shock came from. I hadn't considered that they'd been in the same school. And I don't know if Endeavor thought that Dobby was the, was the perfect one because his, his quirk 
actively destroys his own body when he uses it. You're not wrong, but I, I think, and I, I don't know that I think he's the perfect one, but I, I could see this like lining up to be this big reveal where it turned out that Hawks and Dobby were in this big school or program together. They were friends, and Hawks had to go through this whole thing where he mourned like one of his friends that kind of got it. And if anything, that kind of a character that's been forced into a program like that and and doing exactly what you said, being asked, like, can you handle it when you're, what, 10, 11? Can I handle it? I don't know, like, but I've got to do it for dad or I've got to do it for whoever's expecting this of me to then either fail or get hurt or be let down by this program. If totally they had been around one another, though, wouldn't Hawks have recognized Dobby's quirk? Maybe, but maybe not. We don't necessarily know what it was beforehand. Something could have happened to him. It could have been amplified. It, you know, I mean, he's also cut up his skin and everything. This could just be another fire user as far as Hawks is concerned. Hmm. And I think well, I think that kind of falling out of being in a program like that and letting it take advantage of you and eat away at you or whatever would totally fuel Dobby's motives that he reveals later in this episode. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. This is a wild theory, man. It's just like all my other stuff, but it made something in me go like, oh, my God, that would be incredible. Like, I love the idea of it just being that additionally dramatic. You know what I mean? It it would be interesting. But I think that the other thing that I'm struggling with is the reason why Hawks was selected for this terrible program, in my opinion, was because of the versatility of his quirk, whereas Dobby is more like a one-trick pony kind of quirk. That's you know? true. I mean, I'm not saying it's the most well-thought-out theory. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have me here for. Exactly. You're poking holes in it. Stop. I don't want kids. Just leave <laughs> it there. I feel so bad, but you got me thinking about it, and I have to say what I think. Uh, but fair. yeah, we do. I, I think that you're right. Um, I, I even thought that um, the lip, if you lip-synced, what is uh, t- his first name? Toya? Toya. Toya Todoroki? Yeah. Um, uh, that it would have been, would it have been Todoroki Toya, I think, in the uh, in the Japanese, so it would mm-hmm. have been the Todoroki part first. I think that it matched up, um, which would be really sharp if it actually did. Um, I only gave it, the, like, two quick looks, and I was like, yeah, that might match up. But, um, yeah, the more than twice or the league, Dobby explains, you should have been making uh, marking me, rather, the league, Shiggy. I don't care for them from the start. The world uh, can change because of the obsession of a single person, there are no such things as real heroes in this world. Kill the fake ones. That's right. I'll be the one to carry out Stain's will. And I think that Stain would disagree here and there with Dobby's particular perspective on some of this stuff. I think that there are definitely, uh, you know, major notes of Stain in what Dobby is saying. But I think that he's gone to an extreme that's uh, maybe a step or two beyond where what Stain was actually holding to. For instance, like... Stain actually believed that there was at one time at least one hero, and he showed mad respect for Midoriya, uh, you know, at a different time. So, well, yeah, but um, you know, Stain didn't go through a crazy child spec ops program like uh, Dobby did. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> we do get a little bit of a flashback where we get to see Stain um, going back and retreading some of the Eda stuff. That was pretty um, cool. I was not expecting a Stain thing here. Like yeah, that me threw me, and I loved it. Uh, yeah, what a cool. And it turn. was kind of. Uh, it was uh, like a, of a different style, like a more exaggerated style, totally. I think. I don't think it was just they went and grabbed the cells um, from the, that particular episode. I think they reanimated yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. Because um, it, looked, it, looked it, it looked like shaded, like almost in a crazier light of some kind. Because they had his eye like twitching and stuff. It was crazy yeah. looking. So Dobby says, goodbye, Hawks. I don't care if you live or die either. And he delivers more blue flames. And that's all that we're going to see about them or this for this episode. Like, we, you could kind of be left in the lurch thinking that uh, Dobby just off Hawks. Man, no way. They're not going to off Hawks. I don't think that's happening. 
I I really don't. I just don't see them killing Hawks. I, I I totally think he's alive, but I don't know. I guess I just that would seem weird to me. He would feel like such a a MacGuffin to get here. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like uh, well, we we cut to the underground. Um, we get a short little shot of uh, Gigantomachia patiently watching the radio, waiting for orders, kind of like the Nomu, like he's a Nomu esque in that particular regard. Uh, but then we catch up with Endeavor making his way to Mirko at the hospital after just a really brief, that brief check-in at uh, HQ. Uh, he runs into Crust and the Nomu he, uh, he has come to a stalemate with in the hallway. And you know what? I didn't realize this until the other day, but these Nomus actually have names. Like one of them we know has a name. None of the other names are actually used, I don't think. Because yeah, they um, called so the one th- woman, right? Yeah, and that's apparently this this thing's name. Like there's a list of high-end Nomu names. Um, so we've seen Hood. Huh. And there's five in this scene, right? Yeah. Five. So you have woman, who we already know, Chubbs, which I think is this one. That's in fighting the, uh, crust. Hallway with crust. Yeah. Elif, which is the one that looks like an elephant, um, has a trunk. Yeah. Um, Ribby, which is the one that's able to do the bone stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then Robot, which I think is the one that Mirko decapitated, is what I think. Okay. Um, so they do have names. They, they go unspoken outside of woman, at least thus far in the anime. I thought that that was a cool thing. That is cool. That I totally missed. And I think they deserve names. I mean, in this episode, they're showing some pretty high-level brain activity. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it's these might as well as just be like souped-up villains because they're fully aware, it seems like. Uh, this scene is pretty crazy, too, because Crust has like, got this guy totally stopped at the end of this hallway. And uh, yeah, the Nomu is basically taking up that whole exit there. But Crust's powers are really incredible with the way he's utilizing them because he's got all these like shield things that are stabbed into this Nomu. And he's kind of just keeping them at bay there. And, and then, of course, Aizawa shows up and is able to erase his quirk. Crust stabs into this thing and moves him to the side so that way Endeavor can like burn him and continue moving forward. Uh, that way he can get the Mirko and help. And then we transfer over and we see Mirko fighting off a bunch of these high ends and it is crazy. Like the the one that has kind of the spiky head like thing is dodging her attacks and she has this internal thought of okay, I'm not getting weaker. These guys are just awakened and they are bad. Like they are so bad. So she's like I don't have a choice. I've got to run and she just takes off and she's doing everything she can to get to the doctor in Shigaraki. She gets brutalized in this episode. My lord, does she ever. It's I mean, insane. Yeah, so at first in an attempt to stop her, one grabs her by the hair, another one chomps down on her calf. She just and keeps going. The, yeah, one of the bone protrusions like slashes through her ribs, and she just runs. She leaves a bunch of hair behind. She leaves a big old chunk of her calf. Yeah. She just rips free and, and keeps running. Um, and she's just about to break Shiggy's tank, and she's pierced violently in her leading leg, which slows her down until Endeavor attacks that Nomu from behind, and she's able to fl- uh, slip th- uh, slip free, and she starts kicking this thing, but it takes a few kicks um, to, to really start uh, cracking the glass here. But we have to back up a little bit after the mid-show cards to watch Endeavor break into the lab, and he just, I thought that this was hilarious. It, it shows that he has a lot of confidence in who's coming in behind him, but he breaks in and just totally ignores a couple of the high ends. Yep. <laughs> he just runs past them <laughs> yeah. to try to get to where Mirko is. Well, he knows and that so, that's the end objective. Like, they're more important, I guess, so. Yeah, but Aizawa, Present Mike, and Crust all come in behind him. Yeah. Um, and Present Mike screams here, and it's illustrated in a way that's different, I think. I think typically it's illustrated, like, you see the onomatopoeia of, like, a yeah. They didn't have that this time. It was just, like, a uh-uh. sound wave. And I was wondering yeah. if it's because he didn't say anything. He just screamed. Oh, that could that be. That was what I, because I had that same thought. I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. They didn't do it the same way. 
Uh, and then I think you shared this in the Discord. This was where they had like some horrible animation. <laughs> Dang it! This is the thing where I was gonna I was gonna try to get your reaction. Oh really? To it. it was only for like a second and a half. I was surprised how many people were like. I saw some people complaining about it on Twitter, and I'm like, did you not watch the first 15 episodes of Dragon Ball Super? Because <laughs> yeah. get over and, 10 seconds here. Yeah, and I will say this: like this little single cell of animation in these two shoot these four episodes i'll take it if if we keep getting the level of animation quality that we've seen literally every other frame yeah yeah but i I did see that shared in the discord too so if that was what you're talking about sorry about yeah that was it it's present mike he's my boy like i had to keep up with that (laughs) because i I noticed Um, that and i was like i bet people are complaining (laughs) yeah they they were endeavor drops uh one of the nomu with a punch the leading one but it has some shock shock absorbing bone beneath its skin because as azawa explains when he came into the room, he couldn't see the one that Endeavor was attacking because he was obscured by uh, two others. Um, but he fixed it, and then Endeavor uh, does more work. Uh, we got Mirko talking about how she could sense the evil in Shiggy and that he can't be allowed no matter what. And his little percentage is up to 74. I think it gets up to 75 by the end of this episode. Um, then we start getting into how smart and intelligent these high-end nomus are because woman figures out... Aizawa's quirk through a process of elimination. Right. And that's um, impressive. They even, I thought that this was a cool touch. They illustrate her intelligence by showing like electrical activity yeah. in her brain. How cool was that? Um, so that was pretty cool. So she sorts out not only that his quirk is uh, nullifying hers, everything, yeah. but how it works um, tied to his field of vision. She doesn't know initially if it's a timed thing or if she just needs to break the field of vision, but uh, she eventually just breaks out of his field of vision, gets her quirks back. Um, and she's reveling in how, uh, intelligent and strong that she is. Um, she even, uh, she, she gets like a calf sniped by Exless, um, and she regenerates it, but she makes them freaking ginormous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. They like what blow her up this? like a uh, balloons. It was a weird shot. Kind of. The first time I saw it, I thought, did she just make her ass big for some reason? Because <laughs> they were massive. They were. Um, That's funny. But no, her butt is just fine. Um, and in the manga also, it's not her calf that gets sniped by Exilus. It's her arm. So that was kind of weird. But they do. Her calves explode. So I guess it was part of the plan. Yeah, she like does this thing called. all over the place. Yeah. Liquefication and rupture, which sounds like the name of two of the quirks that she's using in conjunction with one another. And so they're sending bits of who knows what, but I know I don't want any of it on me everywhere. Um, and the Nomu Endeavor had pinned has access to its quirk and it wasn't quite taken out. So it stretches its quirk towards Mirko again, who's kicking away at the uh, tank Shiggy's in. She gets pierced in an arm and a leg this time. Oh, I'm man, telling you, man, it is awful what she goes through. Yeah. Um, but she does manage to land one more lunar arc just at the, uh, yeah, percent ticks up to 75. Doesn't quite break the tank, but it springs some major leaks. The control panel explodes. This sends Grocky into a, a, a hissy or a tizzy. <laughs> um, she gets hauled back through that hallway that she come through and slammed into Endeavor. Right. Uh, and this is where he sees just how bad, uh, how badly she'd been injured. There's even a moment here where like he sees that and his face is visibly like kind of scrunched up. Like, Oh my God, you got wrecked. Uh, you can tell he feels pretty bad. Cause he just shoves a cloth into her my- mouth and is like, bite down. We're going to cauterize your wounds. We're going to get you taken care of. He's like, I owe you so much. Do not die. <laughs> oh man. Like I can't imagine like what is just going through that guy's mind right now. Uh, but woman is right above them and she's looking down and she just absolutely attacks and she's ready to take them out. And we, 
you don't really quite see what happens there because we just get switched right back over to the main group that we're fighting the other high-end Nomus, and they're doing a great job taking them out. They get a message from Mirko, and she's explaining, like, hey, these capsules, like these Bacta tanks that are around, it seems like the high-ends were in those, and electricity uh, activated them. So be super careful not to do anything that could wake up Shigaraki because he's not just that little kid that we thought he was. He is evolved. I think that's a callback to something that All Might said in like a teacher conference after the USJ. He called him something like a pesky or a naughty kid or yeah. something. I think it was All Might that did it. And that that language has made it around, apparently. And so I think that that was a direct callback. I meant to look it up, but I was a lazy podcaster this week. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm a lazy podcaster every week. <laughs> I had a curiosity, <laughs> I saw... and I, I only ask you this because it sort of fits with woman figuring out uh, Aizawa's quirk. I, I was curious, do you think his quirk would work on the Invisible Girl? On Hagakure? Yeah. He I can't see her. I don't know, because is, is if her quirk is a physical thing, what do they call it? There's a term. There is a term. He um, can't erase it. But if that's yeah. the case, why can he erase the Nomu's strength? Because there was a moment where the Nomu even makes the comment of, like, all my high-end strength I got is gone, which his erasure quirk I wouldn't have thought would have done that on. I don't think it, so they were still whatever, 10 times stronger or whatever than um, regular people, but there was probably some like strength some quirk he that had. further boosted it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. That's I just, how I read that. When I had, the, when Wood Woman was talking about that, I had this thought of like, yeah, that's right. He does have to be able to see them. He can't see Hagakure. How does that work? You know? Yeah. Anyways, totally sidetracked. Sorry. <laughs> well, Aizawa realizes that while reinforcements are coming, uh, the precious seconds could cost them the whole game. So he's erasing the quirks of three of the Nomu, and he can't leave the three he's got locked down right now to go and try to help Endeavor with Woman. Who? Uh, so he sends Exless and Present Mike. Also, Exless, stupid name. Um, yeah, kind of a dumb character. Less, it's dumb. Um, his character is fine. I mean, his quirk is fine. It's just like uh, he's literally a cyclops. He's got he's got he's a cyclopean cyclops uh, from the X Men. He's got one eye that can shoot a laser instead of two. Yeah. Um. So he sends those two on the hunt. Um. And I love this little exchange. He looks at Present Mike and he says, "I'm counting on you." And Present Mike just says, "I got this." It's so good. He's so angry. Present Mike is. Yeah. I he love is. the rest of this episode. Is is so much Mike stuff and it's glorious. It really um, is. So we have Garaki trying to salvage data and Shigaraki before the liquid he's suspended in drains uh, because it's he's the realization of one for all's dreams. Uh, and he says, I'm truly reluctant to awaken it unfinished, but he starts pressing buttons anyway, just as Mike comes in yelling um, and he destroys the tank. Shigaraki's fall out of the tank is pretty brutally animated, too. Yeah, I thought they did um, a pretty good job, like showing how brutal that seemed. Yeah, we get uh, this amazing uh present mike versus uh garaki stuff <laughs> he does a dj oh, punch and just kind of knocks him out yeah just just cracks him yeah. he says he's got to check the authenticity and in the manga there's this awesome wind-up panel where like he's rearing back so hard that his norm you know how his hair kind of normally sticks straight back and out from the back of his yeah. head in the panel leading up to the dj punch panel his he's turning his body so hard that his hair is like arced behind oh, that's him. It's cool. really well uh, illustrated. Yeah, because when he punches him in the show, he immediately says, "This is for making my friend cry." Yes, oh, man, such a good line because really he's is. talking about Aizawa. Uh, so he's been mad about uh, Garaki screwing with Shirokumo. What two episodes ago? 
three episodes, one of the first two. Um, and now he's he's upset because he he remembers that Aizawa got all teary eyed when they were dealing with um uh uh Kiragiri yeah. slash Shirokumo. Oh man, present Mike is just so angry because of his friends. I like, love it, man. It's so good. He's just such an awesome. Like he's just the friend that I want to have. Like present Mike is so cool. Uh, well, iPad Hero Xless is checking Shigaraki, and he's like, "This kid's got no heartbeat." And the doctor's like, "Yeah, idiots! Like he's in suspended animation. Like I did this to help him heal faster, and now you've broken him out of that device, which is the only thing that can wake him up. And you know this doctor's just losing his mind. Like he's so upset about everything that's happening. And present Mike decides to take off with uh, Doctor Garaki, and he tells Exless like, "Hey, stay there with Shigaraki." And this next few scenes, man, they're brutal because. The doctor is talking about like back in the day, you know, I had this theory uh, that people said was crazy. And present Mike is like, oh, yeah, that's a uh, that theory that turned into this like quote that turned into this cult quirk singularity doomsday stuff. Right. And he says that academic that came up with that theory, he died a few weeks after the theory was published. But if he was alive, he'd be over 120 years old, which he, he has that like flashback to the doctor's twice double melting away like just getting super old uh, after the right. quirk erasure and i'm like man that is a uh, wild to think that this is the doctor that kind of started all of this you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh but then he explains or the doctor explains that he lost villain his... explains he does he villain explains, he villain explains. This, is, this is this is a villain's version of mansplaining he's just dumping exposition here and i i, I chit chatted a little bit uh with with mark from hero notes because on one of our episodes, he he talked about a hallway that him and Luke really disliked. Uh, now they review the manga, and I agree with Mark that the the hallway in the manga is very poorly depicted. It's better in the anime, in the hallway being the one between where the main, uh, where like Aizawa and uh, Crust are dealing with three Nomu, um, and the place where Garaki and Shigi were. There was that hallway. Yeah, um, yeah. Mirko's run through it. It never has been in there. Present Mike just busted out on the other side. That hallway's length in the anime is still ambiguous because Endeavor and Mirko seem to, seem to make it through there no time, like easily. But when President Mike is hauling Garaki through it, he's he's jogging, running because he's carrying this dude, and they're running and talking for long a, a longer amount of time than I think it should have taken to cover that hallway. But they had to have a long hallway so that Garaki could do all this villain explaining. Well, that was the same hallway that he like sat in a weird little chair thing and it took him through the hallway so he didn't have to walk, which I assumed they showed that because it was a long freaking hallway. Do you remember that a couple episodes ago? Yeah, I just think that he's lazy because he explicitly says here that um, uh, the, he gets the he can live like twice as long as as a human at the at the expense of any kind of athletic ability. So oh, I think walking yeah, that's fair. in general for him is taxing, especially over long distances. So he has that chair to compensate. Okay, um, that's fair. I, it's kind of like a little Dr. Robotnik chair. That's kind of what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's it. They, I, and I, you know, I didn't even catch too, because he says that he has that, that quirk. I didn't realize what he meant when he was saying that he had to trade off physical activity. But okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And then he goes on to explain that, like, he basically totally lost his home. He lost all of his friends. It was a super dark time. And the only person that showed up for him was All for One, who. It's just like Shigaraki's story. I mean, it's man. just like it's... all of All for One's followers. Like, yeah, all it's a lot of it's them, just yeah. a lot of these people that were rejected by most of society. And... Spinner, Twice. Yeah. All these guys. All Toga. 
it's it's he's just collected man it sounds horrible to say it this way but he's kind of collected a bunch of rejects and told them to seek revenge mm-hmm. oh man it's it's nuts uh, but he's explaining that like his current duplication or his he's explaining that his current quirk is actually a duplicate of his original because he gave his original to all for one and then oh my gosh the nerve of this guy he out of nowhere he's just like you're right. Kurigari's friend aren't you and poor Mike, uh, you can tell he tenses up. And then the doctor continues and says, what we really wanted back then was erasure. And Mike is like, I don't even want to touch this guy. I am so disgu- I am more disgusted than I am angry. I cannot touch him anymore. What I am holding is absolutely d- just revolting. And I-, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen present Mike this been out of shape. I think that if it weren't for the reason why Mike is hauling uh, Garaki through that hallway is because he plans to get him in there where the Nomu are and tell him to tell them to stand down. But I don't uh, think it's going to work. He, he, he gave them the order. It, in theory, it should. I think that if it weren't for that, Mike might have just gently placed Garaki down on the ground, taken a couple steps back, and screamed. Do you think so? And just I, dropped it. I could see like, him. There's a good, as angry as he is, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been totally shocked by that. He seems like the kind of guy, though, that wouldn't, like, drop him like that. He'd just whisper in his ear, like a quote-unquote present Mike whisper. <laughs> like a black ball? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm with him, though. Like, just the way this doctor is talking about things is so gross. And and the way he's, like, praising all for one. Jeez, it's nuts. And then we we have a whole like episode shift here. This felt like a Grant Morrison thing for a few minutes because it's, <laughs> it's a uh, uh, Shigaraki in this like ethereal city space where he's like in this limbo world and there's like a city below him, but there's all these floating hands, like the hands he used to put on himself. It's if you've ever played final fantasy 10, this is a lot like near the end when uh, the main character goes to meet his dad. There's this weird limbo world you go to. And it reminded me so much of this scene. Uh, but the scenes here are, they're kind of brutal because Shigaraki sees his sister holding that picture of their grandmother, who's, you know, Nana Shimura, right? And yep. uh, uh, saying like, hey, this can be our secret. We can be heroes together. And, and he's like, ah, I don't really care about that anymore. Uh, and they do a cool thing here because his mother calls for him, but she calls for him with his real name and his hair changes colors back to like yeah. the black color. And while she's talking to him, she brings up his allergies and he's like, oh, well, those are okay now. But his dad comes up and starts to attack. And when his dad shows up, his color of his hair slowly starts to transform back to white. And I just thought that was so cool like what a what a way to do that and as his dad's hand descends on him he just dusts him. yeah and we get a shot of one for all who we still haven't had a face reveal for earlier garaki said something like he's got a smile like the buddhas and i'm like smile is the only thing we've ever seen of him we've never seen anything from like the bottom of his nose up um and here he's kind of his face is shrouded by like a kurogiri like mist i think uh shigaraki even says, even that, says yeah. you look a lot like kurogiri um and he just says come here um, and oh man, it's so good. So Garaki, uh, is anticipating his own retreat. He's entrusted everything to su- his successor. This is what Garaki is saying. Um, and so to pass his quirk on to him, he kept a duplicate of his own quirk. So now we're learning that all for one has a copy of the all for one quirk, if that's what it's called. Um, and he gave the original to Shigaraki. Um, I do wonder, I'm sure just because there's different terms for them. Um, what the exact difference is between an original and a copy. Um, if any. I mean, because yeah, the way the doctor any. makes it sound is if he can just transplant these, and if you bind to it, then it pretty much is yours, right? But 
if there were no difference, I feel like they wouldn't make it a semantics thing where Garaki gave his original quirk to All for One. All for One gave Garaki a copy. And then here we have the reverse, where All for One kept a copy, but he gave Shigaraki the original. Um, and so it seems like there's got to be some distinction um, between the original and the copies. Maybe it's slightly weaker, less stable. Something. There's got to be something there. We don't know what that is. Yeah. This is the first time that we're hearing that he's not just like literally control, uh, like control C, control V uh, on on these quirks. I don't know, you know that I had really put that much like weight into the way they worded it, but you're right. They do give it very. It's very specific the way that they say that. Man, that's interesting. I hadn't even considered that to be a thing. Um, All these hands reach out and grab Shiggy. Grandparents, mom, sister, dad, even. Um, Nana Shimura is the last hand that kind of places her hand on the back of his head. And she's telling him, she says, don't forget. And then he hears again um, from uh, Hana, let's let's keep it a secret from dad and become heroes. And he just dusts all of them. And, he, and as he walks into this this presence of all for one um, signaling their oneness. Uh, he says, don't reject me anymore. And, and the last thing that we see is life come back into his body. I thought they did. They maybe they did this a slightly better in the manga. So in the anime, the way that they telegraph this a little bit was Exilus as he's sitting over Shigaraki's body. When he's first left alone with him, notices that there's a machine still on in the background. And he's like, I wonder what that thing does. And apparently there were some cables coming from it and some sparks from those cables j basically, you know, jolted Shigaraki back to oh, life. Oh, wow. Um, in the manga, they show a cable with sparks, you know, I, I don't know. I, I thought that I caught it a little better in the manga than I did. I thought that in the on the first watch of the anime that what they had basically done was uh, given it almost a supernatural resurrection. That's absolutely what I thought dream. it was. I didn't even notice that there was something hooked into him. I don't think I caught that at all. And I watched these episodes three times. Not into him, but like um, around but him. Yeah, yeah. It's like again in the anime. Basically, all he says is, "Oh, what, uh, what, I wonder what that machine does," and he just draws some attention to it. Um, but in the uh, in the manga, there's a panel where you see this giant cable and it's sparking, and then in the very next actually full page shigaraki who's still lying in a in that fluid um has that giant uh back arch yeah uh, in his eyes uh his eyes are they're obscured by his hair but this is where he does come back to life so i have my other theory here for you you ready for it okay sure this scene with shigaraki seeing all for one is wild to me like the fact that it, he is seeing all for one shrouded with kurogiri's kind of cloudiness makes me think that All for One has figured out a way to subconsciously teleport using Kuragiri's quirk. Does that make any sense? Like, I, I don't know that I think that that image in, in uh, Shigaraki's mind was just him dreaming this up. I kind of feel like All for One could have been tapping into him and been like, hey, like, you need to wake up. Like, I, I wonder if this could have been somewhat supernatural, because that was definitely the way I read it. Now, you're explaining to me that it wasn't, and I fully accept that, because this is a harebrained theory. But why would, they, why would they use Kirogiri's cloud stuff to cover him up if they weren't trying to also indicate that he could utilize that quirk in some kind of manner that way? Well, I think that that's there for audience's sake. Well, no, well, they could have just then, done anything else. I mean, they've shown. Well, I don't know. Well, and my my theory is shot to hell because Shigaraki literally says, "You look like Kurogiri right now," so he's seeing it too. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think that like warp is a good explanation, which is what Kurogiri's quirk, I think, was called um, or warp gate. Something, something like that. Like that. Um, that that would be necessary for all for one to be inside of uh, Shigaraki's consciousness. It could have been it, it might have just come almost like as a vestige with the quirk transfer itself. Oh, what if like he's got his own vestiges? So you made me just think of something uh, that I hadn't considered before. You put a lot of emphasis on the fact that he gave Shigaraki his quirk, like his quirk, right? The primary yeah. What if Shigaraki is just like a body for him? Like, what if he's going to somehow use Kirogiri's warp thing to transfer his brain into Shigaraki and just take over and then have his quirk? He still has that duplicate potentially, right? So, like, he's not necessarily lost it, but then it would be his quirk still. And I feel like to all for one, that means something. I wouldn't. Mm... That would be totally nuts. I Because that would be how he could get out of prison because we know he's got to try to escape somehow. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, we've been talking about that forever. It makes sense, dude. Like, what if... I wonder... I still don't... I don't know that warp would play a role in that. But I'm intrigued by your your thought that um, that All for One is basically groomed Shigaraki as a, as a, as a vessel that he's going to transfer himself into. Because um, that's... I mean, that's a very tropey thing. Oh, yeah, it's super tropey. But it makes sense that he would wait until Shigaraki could, like prove himself to all these people, have this huge army that he's already leading. He's won over the Gollum guy. And now he's got him infused with this new quirk that he's almost at a hundred percent with. So we know he's about to be incredibly powerful. It it feels like it fits. Like if he had a way to just move his brain into Shigaraki's with little effort, he's put him through all this physical work to get him prepped and ready. All for one's used to ma- like controlling massive power like that. He just so then warps out of Tartarus, and he may not even be re- like they may not catch that he's gone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then I wonder if it'll be like a Captain Ginyu situation or um more contentious than that. Almost like a not a hostile takeover because maybe Shigaraki's into the idea. I feel like he... But also maybe a hostile takeover. Yeah, like it could be like... I feel like that's a thing, and I I can't think of any examples right now, but the idea of like tucking Shigaraki away in a pocket corner of his brain, and maybe that's how this all ends. Like Shigaraki ends up taking back over, and and that would Uh, be ridiculous. There's no way. It'd be kind of like uh, the Nine Tales in Naruto. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or even... uh, uh, like if you read X-Men, wasn't it David, uh, uh, Xavier's son, he had some kind of stuff like that with the shadow oh, Legion, King, right? Yeah. yeah something yeah. kind of Interesting. like that. I, don't, I hadn't wild hair brain theories about. tonight, man. I had two yeah. of them. I know they're a little out there, but, uh, there's, there's something about him having Kuro Geary's head like that. That just feels weird. Why would they do that? It has to signify something. Yeah. I don't, in your explanation, I don't know where warp plays, uh, into the, the like mental stuff. But um, we'll see. We still got a lot of a lot of my hero lying ahead of yeah. us. But you know what? We also have lying ahead Man, of us. Man, the most exciting thing of tonight's episode, the thing I cannot wait for, because Adkins <laughs> talked about building these diss tracks that Mineta would have come up with, and I hear they're pretty good, so... Well, I don't know who told you. Nobody's heard these except for me. Yeah, well, I'm um, just assuming they're pretty good. I'm trying to prep you up here. <laughs> some of these, I feel, are pretty good. Uh, there's one or two that I'm like, eh, but I just, you know, tried to cobble something together really quickly um, for all of the 1A girls. So uh, I'm not going to set these to rap, um, but I decided to make them limericks so that there's room for me to uh, get a lot of content in, but also have a format that's short form. So uh, <laughs> these are so dumb, <laughs> but they're great. So the concept came from one of the team up missions where President Mike and All Might um, answered 
uh, Mineta's question on the radio about what he, what is he supposed to do when all these girls are rejecting him? And they said, uh, uh, you know, use some diss tracks. Uh, so I wrote some limericks to each of the 1A girls from Mineta. And uh, some of these are just brutal. I had to rewrite one because oh, wow. it was just too bad. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to tell you who they are, but I bet you'll be able to tell. Um, so we'll just start at the top and work our way down. Some of them have their names built into them. At least one of them does. Um, so we'll save that one for last. Okay, you ready? Let's do it. All right, first one. You were last place before the word go. Can't see the goods? What's the point, yo? Could be ugly as hell, and I needs me a bell. So to, uh, so you to the curb, I'm going to throw. Who's that one about? Oh, man. Can't see the goods. What's the point, yo? Oh, it's got to be Could Haga be ugly Curry. As hell. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. Curry. Okay. For some reason, I was fixated on the bell piece. Nah, it needs me a bell. He wants him. He wants him a hot dish, yeah. bro. Man, that one's good. Um, That's actually right, really good. Next one. That one's that one's one of the weaker ones. I like I it. All right, next one. Um, over you the most I used to find, but now I'm serving you a dear John. You are withholding hack. Only show half your rack. Go create a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> it's got to be Momo. Yeah. That's actually really well done. <laughs> oh man. All right, next one. I'll speak plain so you don't misconstrue. Over your broke ass, I'd take the flu. Though you fly, you're below me. Hope you choke on your mochi. So float on back to that punk deku. Wow. Oh, man, Ochako. That's, a, that's yeah. really well done. <laughs> All right, any lady would do, excuse me, any lady will do, I would think, but you're Pepto-Bismol pink. Looking like an Oni, you're going to stay lonely. I'll go find a non-horned tall drink. Oh. Man, I know her name. Um, oh, because I can see her. What is her name? I have not. We've not seen her at all this season yet. We haven't. It's Mina. Mina. Thank you. That's that's good. Although I would say that the Oni piece of her is what draws a lot of attention to most folks, probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> these need to be Valentine's Day cards that you can purchase off of some website next year. We got to come up with a these, way to sell these Adkins. <laughs> these last two are my favorites. I think. All right, uh, I'm leaving the one with the name in it for last. All right, so this one. Thought I wanted to love you long time, but I'll stay far away from your slime because I've heard the reports. Don't want to catch warts for trying frog legs the first time. Ah, Sue, that's incredible. Well done. (laughs) Uh, I snuck in a genital warts joke. It's great. (laughs) Um, All right, this last one is about Jiro. It's got her name in it. And it's so good because it actually calls back to the moment where Mineta was peeping on the girls in the showers. Okay, um, so it says this. With the ladies, I'm less than a hero, but I'd never hook up with you, Jiro, because listen to this while I serve you this diss. Your bust size is absolute zero. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Jeez, oh, man. Those are well done. Those are well done. Uh, I'm a horrible person. See, I told you of the two of us, I would be the villain. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, had a, I had a worse one for Momo, but it was... It was worse because it implied that uh, Mineta was sleeping with Jiro. And I was like, I can't be doing my girl that bad. I've already, I'm already <laughs> dissing her bus sides very explicitly. <laughs> so I rewrote Momo's. There you go. Man, that's awesome. Good work. Uh, or bad fun. work, if I you, guess. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I felt bad, especially for Jiro's, because the bus size is absolute zero. It's just a fire line. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, if you're listening to these, if you thought those were fine, if you want to make up some of your own, as long as they're relatively safe for work, um, then uh, we we might read them on air. It's just, just a fun, uh, quick little exercise. I started trying to make haikus work, but there just wasn't enough space. So limericks are five lines long, gave me uh, some some wiggle room uh, in usually the first, second, and fifth lines rhyme and the third and fourth lines rhyme. So that's the format if that's what you want to do for limericks, and it makes it easy and short. So uh, have fun with those, but I think... That's where we're going to end this episode of the AMP. It was a good one. We hope you enjoyed it. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the extra long episode. Yes, stay safe. We went a little long, but these were two major episodes with a lot of of important dialogue that we wanted to cover. Uh, So hopefully uh, we didn't tire you out. Plus, because we're bi-weekly, you know, hour and a half, hour... Uh, you know, that's that's over two weeks time. That's that's manageable. We yeah, hope. hope so. So uh, in the meantime, between this episode and the next one, you can find us on Twitter at at Almighty Pod um, and peep the pinned link or the pinned tweet. I say that wrong every time. Peep the pinned tweet to find a link to the discord where we're always chit chatting about something or people are talking about something in spoiler tags. And I feel left out and sad. <laughs> Have a good night. Enjoy yourself. See you, guys. See you in two weeks. Thank you.